to the latest edition of the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. First off, some housekeeping. Uh, thanks so much for everyone who's been listening and certainly for telling others to uh, listen to the podcast as well. It's been great to hear all of your encouraging comments and feedback. Uh, one particular point, if you happen to subscribe via the RSS feed, we would appreciate it if you could actually change your subscription to techdirt.com slash podcast.xml. Uh, rather than the old SoundCloud RSS feed. Um, the old one should work for now, and the new one is just a redirect, but if we ever move off SoundCloud, we want to make sure that we keep you on the podcast. So I may be making that announcement for a little while just to get you to do it. So just do it. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about speech, and specifically free speech. We live in a Somewhat strange world today in which the ability to speak out and be heard is possible in ways never before seen in history. The fact that basically anyone can now go online and post what they have to say and potentially have millions of people see it is really quite incredible. And it's the wonder of the Internet. And it would be difficult to argue that the Internet hasn't been an amazing tool for enabling free speech around the globe. But it's also created some challenges two of which we're going to discuss today. The first is that basically all of our speech is now at the whim of private corporations. The concept of the First Amendment and free speech in the, in the U.S. context, at least, is that it protects us against the stifling of speech by government. A private corporation is free to allow or disallow any kind of speech. Thus, if YouTube doesn't want to host your video, it has every right to take it down. If Twitter doesn't want to host your tweet, it can make it go away. That's the freedom that those companies have to choose how to run their services. But that also means that if anyone wants to stifle free speech, they have a target. They can put pressure on those private companies, whether legally or through social pressure, to kill off that content and that speech. And that goes up and down the internet stack. They can try to get the services that are user-facing to block content, or they can go to ISPs to try and block content, or they can go to domain registrars and registers to try and block things at the domain level. And all of these things involve private companies who have the right to make their own choices. But for speakers, that may, in fact, limit some, of, some aspects of their ability to speak freely. What if someone is taking an unpopular opinion? For example, the site WikiLeaks was forced off of various American services like Amazon because a U.S. senator publicly berated Amazon for daring to host the site. He didn't take any legal action, and he probably couldn't, so it's unlikely that there was a direct First Amendment violation, but it's worrisome nonetheless. And thus, it can be seen as troubling that so much of this speech that we talk about now relies on private companies who are free to block content at their own will. At the same time, you have the consequences of all that free speech. It's no, it's no secret at all that some people out there use these platforms for harassment in often deeply disturbing ways. People using social media and other internet sites to stalk and harass people is certainly a very troubling phenomenon today. And in those cases, the companies who don't respond end up getting publicly shamed and yelled at for not taking the harassment seriously. So we're in something 
of a catch-22. If you want people to be able to have free speech online, but you're legitimately worried about limiting harassment or even blatant illegality, what can be done? I'm not sure that there are any perfect answers, but it sure should make for an interesting discussion. So here to have that discussion once again, Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. So time to exercise your free speech and uh, argue about free speech. (laughs) I mean, the question here basically is like... Free speech, as as far as it contains, as far as it pertains to the like the private platform. I'm just saying, just the concept, right? We, we, I right. think in general we agree that that the ability to speak and the ability to have expression be heard and to be shared is a really good thing, right? right. And we encourage that, right? But at the same time, we see that because all of that speech is in some way, in some manner, generally controlled by a private company, right? There are always targets in which people who dislike that speech can try and take it down and make it disappear. Right. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, like, isn't the right to free speech as defined by the bill of rights in our constitution? Like that's as it's pertained to the public's relationship with the government. Absolutely. But, but, but that's the, the the distinction that I'm trying to make. Right. Right. So there's no first amendment issue in having a company do it. But I'm saying if we believe in the concept, the concept, the concept that we want to encourage free speech, we have this problem where it, it actually in some ways allows you to route around the issue of the the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment specifically. Because you're not asking the government to to kind of quell the speech. Right, because it's no longer a government issue and it's always a private corporation that has the right to do it. And therefore, in in some ways, you're diminishing the First Amendment because there's no longer a government issue much of the time. And often you can just go to a private company and then try and pressure them into stifling the speech. See, I don't, I don't think I agree with that. And the, re- and the reason I don't agree with it is because the reason we have certain controls on the government's ability to stifle speech is because governments typically have a monopoly on violence in the society. And conceivably, if they really wanted to stifle a, a type of speech, then they could wipe it out completely in the entire society. There'd be no way for it to get out. Right. Now, a private corporation, you're right, may have, in a sense, a market dominance in some particular form of speech. But that won't ever cover the entire economy's worth of forms of speech. So someone may, for example, uh, own all the radio stations in your particular city, but they first won't own all the radio stations in the country, and they sure as hell won't be able to stop everything you say on the internet. So something that you want to express against the owners of those radio stations is certainly going to be able to get out. So I, I don't think I quite think that we need to sort of supersede a private corporation's ability to sort of, you know, uh, cater to their customers in and, or, and in, uh, for uh, this principle. Yeah, right? and, and well, I'm, and I'm not arguing that that the private company shouldn't have that right. I mean, I think for the most part they should. What I'm just asking about is from the concept of of supporting free speech, you know, is that is that a risk? And and I still think it is. So you can say, right, there's always going to be somewhere else, right? And and you can always, you know, go to Pastebin or or some other site and do it. But even those can be attacked. And that's a concern, right? So so wait, wait. So there's two, there's two kinds of concerns, right? One concern is that the owner of the platform themselves mm-hmm. will choose to restrict for one reason or the other some types of speech. And then the other type of concern is more like the the 
Sony concern, right? Which is that somebody will put economic pressure or, you know, just the pressure of social embarrassment or maybe a terrorist threat and suppress speech by other means, right? So those are kind of two different things because, because I do agree with you, the latter thing we should be very worried about. I'm not so sure if we should be worried about the former, right? So, um, so you're saying not so, not so worried about the platforms themselves making the decisions? Exactly. But if we are expecting that these platforms are enabling a sort of free, free exchange of ideas, do we get worried then when they're making choices about the, the ideas that are being exchanged? Right? Do they, do they have the ability to influence the debate, for example? Well, let's think about that for a second, right? Because we actually have some real-world examples where exactly that type of censorship occurs. Sure, right? it happens all the time. Yeah. Sure. So, so for example, let, let's think about um, like Yelp reviews are an interesting one. Yeah. I think to talk about, right? Like people in people claim to invoke the First Amendment when when either comments or reviews are deleted off of you know company websites, basically, sure. that are not run by the government. But, I, I mean, that's not really no, a First Amendment issue. It's not a First Amendment issue at right. all, no. But, but, and, but, and but that, that does show that kind of, from a societal standpoint, like right. people have this value of this so-called thing called free speech, right? And maybe it's right. that we don't necessarily understand what free speech exactly is. Is that what, is that what, that, is that what the problem no, is? No, I, I don't think it's that. I, I think my bigger concern is... Um, when, when it's, you know, and I don't think Yelp is necessarily a good example right. for that because, you know, that's a very specific use case, but, but the platforms that are more really about communication okay. and general communication allow well, all sorts of kinds of communication. Well, I, I had, I had, a, I had an example that maybe we'll get to, it, okay. right? Which is if, if you go to YouTube and you search for certain kinds of videos, let's say like violent videos of fights, for example, mm -hmm. YouTube actually makes a point of trying to remove the most sort of sure. egregiously violent videos, right? Absolutely. But there's certainly a, 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 a viewership for those kinds of videos, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you go to Reddit, there's entire subreddits devoted to fight videos, to, um, you know, specific genres of fights, you know, cat fights, you know, various kinds you, of things, you right? You sure know a lot about yeah. that. <laughs> and, and so uh, one of the things about sort of censorship is that, like, it used to be that YouTube links would be posted in those kinds of forums. Right. But now the top links that are posted in those kinds of forums, like the fight forums would be like daily motion video, you know, right. or, or like right. some other video hosting site. So from the point of view of a user that's interested in watching fights, they, they don't, they haven't really lost anything by YouTube kind of curtailing those videos from being posted because instead of going directly to YouTube and searching for fight, they have these other kind of forums that are more kind of niche, their niche audience. And but, they go there and they, you know, from the, so that speech hasn't really been suppressed. Now, if you talk about something which everybody is interested in suppressing, like you just cannot find a platform, right? right. Let, let's talk about some of those things. Like, for example, let's say you're a Nazi, right? <laughs> that's the one everyone likes to be. Well, okay, let's let's choose something else that's not non-political. <laughs> a child pornographer. Nobody <laughs> wants to host your stuff, right? Right. It's, and maybe that's the right outcome yeah. to some extent. If, if right. nobody who is and, able and, to host videos that, wants well, to host and, your and stuff. That, and to some extent, right, so that gets to the second point that I was making, right, which is that when these, you know, if you're, if you're taking sides in this, right, but, but that, that's still, um, you know, it, it still involves choices, right? And so, uh, 
it, it gets tricky because like we can agree, right? We don't want these platforms hosting child pornography, right? Get rid of right. it. But and it is eleven minutes, by the way, until child pornography was mentioned <laughs> <laughs> from our, our from, child yeah. porn tracker um, <laughs> that beat the last time we mentioned yeah. it. But but um, uh, but but again, as we've discussed in the past, like. Child porn then just becomes sort of the easy way in for, for censorship, right? right? So this is, you know, you look at the UK right now. So they have these mandatory or semi-mandatory internet filters for, which was initially targeted towards child porn and things like that. And you're like, that's great. That's wonderful. But that keeps expanding outward. And so now it's, you know, touching on other kinds of things, political speech, stuff the government doesn't like. And so... The, the, that's where it certainly becomes tricky because no matter what, you're making choices, right? And we can say we don't want child porn, and that makes sense. But you have to figure out where you're drawing that line. But but the minute – I'm very sympathetic to what you're saying, this creeping line. But understand now you've shifted the ball away from the private parties to the monopoly holder of violence, right? Like to the state. <laughs> the state is the one that's running this thing that prevents the entire market from serving any sorts of that content, right? But so let's think about the kinds of political speech that perhaps the UK doesn't want its citizens to read about. It would probably be like jihadi literature right. or something like that, right? And that stuff is just kind of nationally put outside the UK firewall, essentially, right? Yeah, and, but they're, I mean, they're looking to block that as well, right? So, no, but, but, okay, go ahead. So what I was going to say is that is something the state is doing, right? So let's say that, I, I guarantee you there's at least one private citizen in the United, in the United Kingdom is that's interested in hosting that stuff for the rest of the jihadis globally, right? Because they do have a, a, a problem there, right? There's certainly some Twitter users there that, that don't make any bones about posting right. very pro-ISIS uh, messages. So somebody would be willing to host that stuff, but that's not really the barrier there, right? The, the barrier there is a state doing, using its monopoly powers to basically say we're not going to have this content. So it's in that case... It, it goes back to sort of a constitutional issue. They don't happen to have a constitution in the United Kingdom, but, you know, in, in the United States, it would okay. become a First Amendment issue, what you're saying. Sure. So, okay, so let's, let's get away from the, the, the government version of this, right? So let's go back, and, and so let's talk about YouTube and, and terrorist videos, for example, right? So that's something that, that has been a big deal, and a few years ago, politicians were going, going after YouTube for hosting al-Qaeda videos and said these need to be taken down and eventually youtube did take them down now is that a good thing or not right so there's an argument that you know the, you know we don't we don't like al-qaeda right so we don't want their propaganda out there there's an argument that you know videos by themselves aren't going to turn people into terrorists or jihadis right um, there's an argument that these things should be out there for the purpose of discussion. There's an argument that, um, you know, even if they're there, that can engender additional speech and discussion about it that maybe takes the discussion further. But, you know, but none of that is happening because those videos all got taken down off of YouTube. Okay, so two things about that. The, the first thing is, uh, you know, I'm not any more interested than anybody else about actually having the Al-Qaeda message out there in widespread. Sure. But having said that, so let, let's, let's assume that we want those videos out there for the purposes of commentary or, or whatever, right? right? Okay, so are those videos really not out there? I would disagree. They're actually widely out there, right? And the, the same video hosts, um, a lot of them Russian that host these violent videos are also hosting 
Al Qaeda videos and and uh, Syrian army videos and ISIS videos, right? All kinds of videos. They they really seem to be a Dropbox for everything, and they're out there on the internet. It, you know, you can access them in in the in the United States if you if you do the right search. Um, so here's the thing: what do those videos actually require um, placement on a very popular channel like YouTube in order for them to be sort of commented on or visible or or let's let's put it a completely different way do fringe political ideas need airtime on the most prime channels essentially right. in order for sort of the fringe political values of a society to be sort of uh, satisfied and what, well, that's not really that right word but in order for um political diversity to exist in the society and i think political diversity in the society will survive so long as there is some platform, right? So, so in the day of Gutenberg, we didn't need you know the major presses to run all the political pamphlets, mm -hmm. but we needed at least some garage or underground or basement pamphleteers to survive in order to have at least some pamphlets go out, right? And I think I think the forums and stuff that are out there, those are those are sufficient. And I think that's also a good sort of pressure vessel because you don't want every kook to have like his YouTube primetime day in the light well i mean you know yeah, and, and it's kind yeah, of a function yeah, yeah. It's, it's a give and take there right like, sure sure i agree with that but i mean you know just because somebody's on youtube doesn't mean they're going to get viewed and, and right. in fact you know most videos on youtube don't get, get viewed so I, I don't see it so much as you know putting it on youtube doesn't put it in prime time necessarily it right? makes it much more findable that's i guess i would put it that way it yeah is, it is easier right and then of course the there is the there is the mazic your your streisand effect the best way to basically get attention or not the best but a good way to get attention to something is to ask for it to get taken down right so. yeah um but i'm not even sure i mean the streisand effect situation could apply here but let me i mean i, I think i agree with Hirsch here in terms of like you know is there truly a private platform out there that you could sufficiently suppress if you say for example youtube you can't put certain content on youtube and then that content has no more outlet right and i think there are sufficient outlets out there, right? There's a diversity of outlets. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true in every nation on earth, though. So th right. that is a good point, I think, in terms of, you know, this gets into other sort of questions of net neutrality and things like that. But there's certainly countries in which only certain video platforms are easily accessible on mobile devices, which happens to be the the plat right. well, you know computing platform of choice in those markets. And the way people connect to the Internet is over these mobile Internet connections. And by default, those mobile internet connections are only serving a few select platforms. So in those nations, even though those nations may have on their constitutions strong protections for freedom of speech, if only YouTube is accessible and not these other websites that I've been talking about, then it's de facto Right, but censorship, that's a, that, that, right? That's, it's, it's a, that's different, a diff issue, but, different issue, but different issue. But so, it, but it, I mean, it, it just goes back to like you need net neutrality for multiple reasons, uh, and that's and that's certainly one of them. Uh, it's just because it becomes it becomes kind of like the the choke point through right. which all freedom of speech issues have to kind of pass, right? And and I think that's actually certainly an issue in in, in other countries. I, I think, for example, you know, when we talk about kind of uh, the ability of private corporations to kind of self-censor or 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 put a a, a a color filter, if you will, over the news, 
I think it's less of an issue in the United States, even though people talk about sort of corporate ownership of the news. I still think there's enough kind of independent voice here. But mm-hmm. if you go to another country, uh, you know, without naming specific countries, a lot of other countries, there's a, a, a much larger concentration of uh, control of the press in a few hands. Right. And the journalists there also seem to really know who the ownership, who owns the companies, and they don't want to get on the bad sides of them. And so they don't write bad about certain families or certain business, uh, right. you know, conglomerates. That, I think censorship there is, is, is a bigger issue, even, even if it's private enterprise censorship. But, you know, if we're talking about the United States, I feel we're not, we're not quite at that place yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can definitely see that argument. Um, but, I mean, going so going on to the other issue in terms of things like where these companies are drawing the line, right? So it feels easy to draw the line on child porn and perhaps terrorist videos, though I'm not as sure there. But, but you know, in a lot of cases, then it gets into these questions of... Um, uh, harassment, right? So there's been all these discussions about, mm-hmm. especially Twitter. Certainly, there's been a big focus on on getting better at killing accounts that are that are engaged in harassment. Do you mean like bullying that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, usually bullying. And you know, for the most part, you know, from a from a very basic emotional standpoint, that makes sense, right? It the the level of harassment that goes on on some of these things is is can be really intense. And can cause an awful lot of trouble for, for the people who are the the targets of it. But what I worry about is that 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 involves a very very subjective discussion in terms of and decision making mm-hmm. by these companies in terms right. of a very nuanced uh, sort of examination of, of the facts. I mean, right. where does something cross into bullying versus defending yourself, for example? Right. right. I mean, but I mean, maybe is is there another way to approach like the issue of the issue of harassment, which is basically like maybe we need better tools on the listening side, right, to ignore the harassers, and that way the harassers can say what they want, and if the targets of the harassment don't ever hear it, they basically choose not to hear it or choose not to listen to it, Right. then kind of everyone is happy, right? Well, um, yes and no. I mean, so, and and Twitter, for example, certainly tried to do a lot in yeah. this area and they added the sort of mute... Right, the mute uh, option. ...functionality. Yeah. And apparently they've experimented with a very, very specific filters where there was one, uh, there was an article... Um, uh, not so long ago that discussed a, a particular filter where there was one this one woman who was getting very directly harassed on a bunch of things and it appears i mean nobody confirmed this but it appears right. that twitter actually basically built a filter just for her right that that would filter out the content that that would have reached yeah. her i mean you know that's like childhood advice is like the best way to deal with a bully is to turn the other cheek and ignore it, right? In some contexts, yes, I don't think that but, works in the modern world, right? Because there's, right. There's, there's some forms of community. Let, let's say your child is in school yeah. and, and there's someone starts a vicious rumor, right? And the rumor is being circulated to everybody that's in her social circle or his social circle. Then it's, it's only a small solace if, if you don't hear those rumors yourself, but then you go to school and in the real world, everyone's snickering because such and such has been posted about you. Right. right. I mean, there's, there are some yeah. situations where you can't hide yeah. from it. And then, so, but, but then the other issue there is that you do get a very, a pretty serious slippery slope issue, right? Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, some people say it's exaggerated, but 
you know, we see this all the time where people then say, well, you know, this, they, they will take down or kill accounts over this topic. Why aren't they doing it in this case? And right. so then suddenly it just becomes this constant push for, and you can always come up with bad, really extreme examples in all different kinds of situations. Right. But you sort of keep expanding that, that, that possible list of things which will, you know, lose your account or get it blocked or something. Well, I think you're touching on an important issue, which is that nuanced censorship just doesn't scale, right? Like you might have one or two people on your staff that make really good decisions about what should be censored or not. Right. But then once you once it becomes a feature of your platform, you have to extend it to a lot more people than you initially intended. And now you're hiring all these people which who probably don't have the expertise and that nuanced understanding well, of what you want yeah. on your platform. And then they're over-censoring. And, 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 and in fact, right, I mean, there have been a couple stories recently, like apparently there's a couple companies in the Philippines that, that like almost all social media outsource this effort to. Um, and and there are some, there's some interesting discussions there. And, and basically, I mean, I, I, I actually uh, very recently had a discussion with a guy who, um, set up Facebook's policy on, on, on dealing with this kind of content. And, you know, one of the things that he was saying was, you know, it's uh, one, it's incredibly tricky, right. but two, you, you really have to focus on setting up rules that people who are not experts in this can follow in a world that is incredibly nuanced and it's very, very difficult. So I find it hard to believe someone in the Philippines will understand a piece of American slang when it's friendly versus when it's that's, going to be insulting. And, and that's, right? that's like, where the problems start to come in. And so, but, you know, but the, the opposite of that is, is the sort of, you know, uh, where you have free reign totally and then, you right. know, then things can go off the rails pretty, pretty quickly. But, but what is the goal here? Like basically, so say someone says something that's harassing towards somebody. Right? Right. If, if they don't have the ability to say it, then there's not an ability to make a learnable moment and then teaching moment to say that, hey, that's bad. Right. Right. So like if like where does where does it end? And and basically So like, so uh, like do we, we need to have the freedom to make mistakes and then yeah. learn from them and discuss them, right? Because but but well, which mistakes are we talking about here? Right. I mean, so I guess that's the, that's the, the mistakes question. of trolling, or right, the mistakes of trolling, the mistakes of harassing. Like, hey, that went too far, right? Wait, are you saying we should let trolls troll so that they can have a learnable moment? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, no, they can have a learnable moment somewhere else. I think I mean, they don't have and, to have and, their learnable I mean, moment online. And, and conceivably, losing their account is is part right. of that education, no, exactly. right? <laughs> sure, but I mean, I guess that's that's the that's what I'm trying to starting to feel here. Yeah. Is, well, right. And, and so, I mean, this kind of goes back to the other thing, which is, right, the argument against any kind of censorship of free speech is right. that the best way to counter, you know, bad speech is with more speech, right? Yes. And there's something very compelling to that. And, yeah. and I tend to agree for the most part, but there are certainly situations where if like, you don't, if you just suppress it and you don't let it right. be discussed. But, 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 but the flip side to that, yes. the flip side to that is that if that speech is so distracting and right. so harassing that you scare off, people from participating right. at all, you've lost their voices as well. Also true. And then so you can argue, do we want to silence the voices of the trolls or do we want to silence the voices of the people scared off by the trolls? Right. Right. Well, and so well, so it's it's not as easy as just, you know, let all speech live on. Right. Well, and there's also this very tricky situation which you find on Reddit when sometimes the 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 thing that you consider sort of 
the, the bullying or something like that, which is supposed to be filtered out by the crowd, by the karma system, if right. you will, right. the upvotes and downvotes. When everybody upvotes what is the bullying statement, yep. it's the exact opposite. So then you, it's almost yeah. like it's like a crowd bullying now. Right. Like so then the, you have yeah. you have the sort of online vigilanteism, online mob behavior issue, which could be a topic for another podcast. Right. We should write that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that one. We'll do that one soon. Um, and on that note, I think we're basically running out of time. So let's let's do the the final thought wrap up in terms of how do we feel about about this issue in terms of free speech online and. I mean, I think for for me, free speech in general as a societal value, like I think it's wrapped up and confused when it, especially when it, people start to apply it to like private companies and, you know, free speech as a value as it sure. pertains to the government is, I think, very clear to me. And I think it gets really muddled now that we are moving into, you know, essentially a state that we're, that the private sector is becoming more and more powerful. And, and that's going to be very interesting. Like, do we need to have a constitution of some sort like per company like that doesn't even make any doesn't even right. make any sense so that it's fascinating but we'll see uh i i think you know free speech issue is obviously very important for any free society blah 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 but you know <laughs> i think i i think i think, I think you know but, but blah I, blah blah but i don't think we're at a point yet in the united states where we need to start worrying about um this sort of effect on our on our on our you know democratic society from from some of these censorship actions from say twitter or google or facebook i think i think we're still i think we're okay uh you know but obviously be vigilant you know if things change right. but but right now you know it's not wait if it gets to the point where they all of a sudden one of these networks or the other says no more republican messages <laughs> right or no more democratic messages that that's troublesome to me yeah. Uh, well, I think that's kind of an extreme yeah, case. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, we're not even close to that. So. And I think so. the society is keep we're 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 keeping things in check. In there, terms of, it's sort of self correcting. Self correcting. One, yeah. one of the best things about America is exactly that, right? Like like unlike a lot of countries, like the the public here is actually remarkably sensitive to things that are like a lot of other countries would consider second sure. order kind of concerns. Like they're more worried about you know other more immediate things rather than philosophical things like you know <laughs> like minority rights or or free speech or things like that so it's actually pretty cool yeah um, no I, and and yeah i don't think it's an immediate problem but my my concern over this is sort of you know it's twofold kind of goes back to you know what i said in the beginning which is just you know how much of this as it goes to private platforms how much you know the the issue of the constitutional recognition of free speech as it relates to government is now switched over to the terms of service that that companies have. And you talk about constitutions for companies, but really that is their terms of service. And I don't think any company puts the level of thought into their terms of service that went into the constitution. Right. And so that that's maybe, maybe that's an opportunity. Yeah. Or do they really adhere to their own terms? No, no. I mean, (laughs) all the time they ignore him. And so I I think that's a concern. And then the second one though, is just this sort of balance between like, I think there's, there's a legitimate reason to try and, you know, deal with certain things like harassment that might otherwise scare people away from, from, from expressing themselves because we want to be able to hear from those voices but I worry about the extent to which we block off voices just because we decide we don't like what they say and, and where that leads. And so I think there's a, there's a balancing act in there 
And I think it's I think it's a challenging one, um, and therefore there'll be a lot to think about and talk about. So maybe we'll revisit this topic in the future. But I think that's it for today. Uh, thanks again, Hirsch, Dennis, and uh, to everyone listening as well. Uh, that's it for today's Tech Dirt Podcast. It's been said that the first casualty of war is truth. And I'm inclined to agree. Listen, we live in an age of instant information. So isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us? Governments think we need to gain their trust. But it's the other way around. Just take a look. Nothing tells us more than more data does. So it's important it's all available to us. Plus, put up for debate and looked at by the public's gaze. Because there's a lot more to be gained from taking off the...